today's rapidly changing healthcare environment, healthcare providers, including pharmacists, are experiencing emotional exhaustion, moral injury, and burnout at an increased prevalence. By their training, healthcare providers have a high degree of resilience. This podcast is not about basic resilience. Rather, the Resilience Rx podcast is here to help pharmacists grow amidst stress. Each episode, hosted by Kate Gaynor, CEO of the Iowa Pharmacy Association, features a fail-forward interview with a pharmacy leader and a personal growth and well-being tip. Your prescription for resilience, provided by Tammy Rogers, founder of The Maven Group. Resilience Rx is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. Today's fail-forward interview is with Crystal Leonards, Vice President of Pharmacy Performance for HealthMart Atlas. Crystal Leonards is currently the Vice President, Pharmacy Performance for HealthMart Atlas, a McKesson Corporation Managed Care Solution. She leads the team responsible for managing a high-performing pharmacy network across over 7 million independent, small, and medium-chain pharmacies nationwide. Previously, Crystal spent six years supporting the HealthMart franchise, most recently on their strategy and business development team, where she served as chief pharmacist. Before joining McKesson in 2012, Crystal worked in and on behalf of community pharmacies, including roles with Drugstore News, NACDS, Super Value, and Walgreens. She has both a Doctor of Pharmacy and Master of Business Administration degree from Drake University, after which she completed an APHA ASHP accredited residency in pharmacy practice with emphasis in community care. Crystal lives in Columbus, Ohio, the Columbus, Ohio area with her husband and two children. I think you'll really enjoy today's Fail Forward interview. I know I had a great time interviewing Crystal. Give it a listen. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining today's episode of Resilience Rx. I'm really excited to have Crystal Leonard on today's show as our Fail Forward interviewee. I'm Kate Gaynor, CEO of the Iowa Pharmacy Association. Crystal, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think um, as we were talking offline, you have some really um, insightful and I think relatable stories to share with our listeners about some of your failures that you've encountered along your both professional and personal journey. Uh, maybe before we get started, can you give listeners just a, a brief update? I'm sure many are familiar with McKesson as a company, but maybe have not heard about HealthMart Atlas. So could you just give us a short overview of who HealthMart Atlas is and who the parent company McKesson is? Sure. So um, McKesson is a, a leader in healthcare, kind of across the healthcare continuum and also a wholesale distributor but not as many folks know about um, HealthMart Atlas, which is our managed care solution. So we support about 7,100 pharmacies, um, many of those independent or smaller, medium-sized chains with their managed care contracting. So kind of think of us as uh, back office support, helping work with um, PBMs and payers to obtain the contracts, the right contracts for our network, and then also, my team, from a pharmacy performance perspective, works with not only payers, but also directly with the pharmacies to help them understand and navigate kind of what 
the payers are holding them accountable for and what they can do to improve some of those clinical and operational metrics. Yeah, that's great. And and maybe just to put some context around your position, Crystal, and the success that you have achieved in your career, um, how large of a team or number of employees work for HealthMart Atlas, um, and if you know the figure from the McKesson Corporation? Sure. So HealthMart Atlas is actually small but mighty. So we have about 80 um, team members altogether, including um, a, a number that are in customer service and different functions within the group. Um, there's 13 that are part of my uh, pharmacy performance team. And then uh, McKesson more uh, at large is a global company. So we have um, over 60,000 employees. I don't know the exact figure, but oh, well over 60,000 across the U.S., Canada, and also Europe. Yeah, I think that's um, just, you know, such a different environment than most pharmacists typically work in. And so, so to see you navigate um, that environment and your role within HealthMart Atlas, I know has been really um, impressive for me to watch your career. Um, so excited to have you on the show. As I said, thanks for sharing uh, some more detail about HealthMart Atlas and about McKesson. So I think we'll jump into the interview questions and I would share with the listeners, um, when I reached out to Crystal as with many of the guests who I invited to be part of the Fail Forward series, um, she positively responded and said she was excited to be part of the show and and then sort of joked, um, you know, there's there's so many failures, I'm not sure which one to focus on. And and I think that's a, a real sign of a successful leader is recognizing that failure isn't the opposite of success. But um, in order to achieve great things, there will be missteps and um, some failures, if you will, along the way. So maybe, Crystal, to get started, if you had to pick one or maybe two examples of, of failures or missteps that you've had along your personal or professional journey, um, what, what's, an, what's one example that you'd like to share today? Sure. So I think because I am in more of a non-traditional setting, um, first I'll share one that I think would resonate no matter what practice setting that you work in. So. Pretty early in my career, I had the opportunity to take what I thought would be my long-term dream job. So I was a newlywed at the time and had uh, my husband move across the country. And what I thought the role was and what it actually was, was, was slightly different. And then someone that I thought would really mentor me and help me to grow was exiting the organization. And so pretty early on, I felt like it, I wanted to make a change, but at first I thought if I made a change, it, this is going to be a failure. You know, I've only been in this job a little bit over a year and how would other people view it? Um, but now looking back on it, I think it was really a springboard for everything for me that came next. And I do think sometimes it takes um, more courage to be able to say no or make a change than just keep keeping on with what you're doing and, and not be happy and satisfied. Um, and it's also really important for my family to be happy. And so I felt like the no was not just for me personally, but it was the right thing to do for my family too. Yeah. So it might not even be viewed, like you said, on your professional journey as a failure, but more of a personal story where if you're not happy, 
in your position that really does spill over into your personal life. Um, when you were in that position, you know, when you recognized, wow, maybe this isn't the dream job I had envisioned it to be, what were some steps that you took to make a smooth transition out, either on the inside with you or with your husband and your family, thinking about how that work um, happiness or workplace satisfaction does spill over to home or in the professional setting, um, like you said, because you thought you weren't there that long, maybe it could be viewed negatively. Anything um, that you did either inwardly or outwardly to help get to that decision quicker or make that move? Yeah, I think everyone needs kind of a personal board of directors to help as a sounding board and support. So definitely my husband is is on that. Um, I mentioned at the time we were newly married, but um, I mine also consists of now three key mentors and a few close friends. So I definitely tapped in. Those is one of my moments pretty early in my personal board of directors and not all the same players now, but that was one where I tapped in for advice on, on what to do and also how to handle the transition and really just tried to make sure that I gave adequate notice and had good transition plans in place. And I think um, it actually was smoother than I thought it would be. And it gave me more confidence around dealing with times of change. But I think when you're in the moment at first, you you feel scared um, and you're not sure how things will be viewed. And I just tried to focus on what it was that I can control. Sure. That's, that's great advice. Um, you're not the first person I've heard use the term or actually really utilize a personal board of directors. And even though I've heard of it, it's not something I've formally taken on. Um, and maybe some listening do have that personal board of directors and really utilize it um, with great intention and, um, you know, at a normal frequency or as needed. Can you maybe just share a little more with listeners who might be intrigued by that concept, but uncertain, you know, how to get the best um, value out of it? And really, you know, is it something you, you know, they're on your board of directors, but they might just consider themselves a mentor or even your friend, or do you actually ask them? You know, you're a really important um attorney that I know or someone who has expertise in HR or somebody who understands finances a lot better than I do um, or fill in the blank, maybe a friend who's a physician that you want to bounce things off when talking about pharmacist role. Is it a conversation you have with them or do you just sort of say, hey, that's going to be my friend who happens to be a physician that I'm going to bounce things off as a a personal board of director member? And then at what frequency do you enlist their help or, or counsel? Yeah. So I think I've gotten more deliberate with it over time. Um, and this is actually a good reminder for me to say thank you to them because I don't know that I always formally say, hey, thank you for being on my personal board of directors. Um, I With my three key mentors that are more in the healthcare field but in different roles, I do try to meet with them um, at least monthly if I can. Um, and sometimes it'll be a more, you know, formal meeting and talking about work topics or things I want to get their opinion on. And or sometimes it may just be a phone a friend or a coffee chat. But I think just being purposeful about nurturing the relationship so that when I do need 
them in those kind of critical moments. I know I can just be a text or a phone call away and, and they'll be there with advice. Um, and I think the folks that I've gone to over time has changed a little bit, but many of them are um, previous uh, either bosses or or folks that I've looked up to in previous roles that I would love to do what they do one day or exhibit traits that they exhibit and and just asking them for help. Um, and they've been more than willing to, to do that. That's great. I think um, that's a really key takeaway for me too when I talk to leaders um, is not be afraid to ask for help. But I, I love the concept and thanks for sharing a little more detail about your personal board of directors. Is there anything else from that um, experience that you shared with the, the listeners about moving across the country, thought you were going to be in your dream job that would be um, a longstanding position and, and, you know, shortly after a year made a transition out. Anything um, additional to share that were key takeaways from that experience? Um, along your professional journey? Um, I don't think too many other key takeaways other than just there's always going to be dealing with change, whether it would be my choice to leave a position or organizational changes. I think every company that I've been a part of, whether it was, you know, working in the pharmacy or my more non-traditional roles, the only constant has been change and, and organizational changes. So I think that kind of helped me early on in my career know that um, this is actually happens more often than we would think and just had a different approaches to be able to deal, deal with it personally and professionally. Yeah. Thanks for that. If, if there were listeners out there maybe feeling that same way, thinking they're not happy in their position, maybe um, some of the key people around them, a, a boss or a mentor is no longer there. Um, or other circumstances um, that might exist, and they're not feeling um, satisfied or, or happy in their current professional position, what advice would you have to someone um, who's sitting in that seat today? I think um, as much as kind of that door is closing or the changes are happening, I think it was a good time for me to also think about and, and would encourage them to think about what do they really love doing about their current job or what they thought that job was going to be and what do they want to do more of and kind of where did their skills align and think about um, at one point in my career, I kind of plotted out what would be my ideal job, even though it didn't exist. And how do you get more experiences to kind of work towards whatever is the ideal in your mind? And you can't always control for, there may not be that opportunity at the time, but if you know what you're trying to work towards, it it really helps kind of put, it helped put some clarity around it for me. Yeah, that's great. And I, I do hear from pharmacists that are interested in more non-traditional roles. Um, how did you get your foot in the door uh, with the McKesson Corporation being, you know, a Fortune 6 company? Um, I'm not sure how many pharmacists work there, but any advice for someone who might be interested in that non-traditional career path, but just doesn't even know uh, entry point um, or how to get yeah. started? Yeah, I was very lucky that um, I think throughout uh, folks are willing to take a chance on me. 
Um, and so the, um, the role that I initially went into in McKesson and every role since has been more around um, relationships. And so someone that was actually previously a um, member of in an organization and the, and the role that I kind of failed that or my failure role, um, moved to McKesson from a different company. And so um, they had worked with me in the past and kind of that was a stepping stone. So it was exposure to them through um, an association um, and then also through working with them. Um, that kind of opened the door for me. So I think, um, you know, think about your extended network and who you might have that could open a door for you in some of those groups. Also, most companies, including McKesson, if you have a referral um, from someone that works there, it can really help. And I know there's been folks who have reached out through LinkedIn or other mechanisms to kind of start a relationship or start a discussion about opportunities, even though there was no current roles available. So I think just because there's not a posting to develop those relationships and kind of invest the time that when there is an opening that comes up, um, that you might be top of mind. Because I would say we started the conversation probably six months before I came to McKesson. So kind of like the personal board of directors, just keeping kind of that open mind and open dialogue and not always just when you want to roll, but um, to kind of be two-sided with that relationship. Yeah, I love that message. Actually, I just wrote my editorial for the next IPA journal on networking. And I think networking, you know, tends to be a phrase that people throw around pretty loosely. Um, but when I, when I do talk to pharmacists and even on this series, it's been a, a common thread through uh, the professional journey and you know, how failures turn into successes, the importance of that professional network, and the other common thread, you mentioned LinkedIn, but before that, um, was really through associations and being at events where you have the opportunity to meet people. So I didn't um, intend this series to uh, be a shameless plug for attending association <laughs> events, but it, it really is a common thread. And um, I know for me, uh, it's one of the great joys I see when people attend a state association or a national association meeting, um, those connections that lead to future positions, that open the door, that become a referral, um, and also how those professional networks, um, in a way, are support networks, too. Yeah, and I think there's pharmacy is such a small world that I've had the privilege of, you know, you work with or for people, so not to burn any bridges even when you do leave um, because they might be the person to open the next door for you. Yeah, that's great advice. That's a great point to remember. Um, well, I know you had shared with me, and I wanted to bring it into this podcast also, another uh, recent example um, in your current position that um, could be viewed as a a failure. Um, and again, just I appreciate so much um, you coming on this show and, and willing to talk openly about it. Because um, I think pharmacists out there may think leaders don't experience failure when really failure is just part of that journey. So we're going to pivot and give Crystal a chance to share another example 
um, of something that happened more recently, and I'm sure many pharmacists can relate to a project that you put a lot of time and feel like you pour your heart into, and maybe the outcome isn't what you hope for. So, Crystal, I know you shared that recently you really spent a lot of time pouring your heart into a project and the outcome was not exactly what you desired. And can you share more details from that story, um, maybe what the project was, how you felt, and how, how long you had worked on it? Yeah. So, um, in a recent role, I had worked um, with a team member, and it, it was over the course of really about a year off and on working on a new solution to try to bring it to market. And we got all the way up to the final executive approvals, and it was actually um, a no when we thought it was a slam dunk. Um, and what what I learned kind of from that failure was that um, we didn't do enough in terms of bringing others along with us. So making sure that we were having individual check-ins with the executives and other folks to make sure that everyone was um, on board and also that they could air their concerns early and often. Um, so I think we thought things were going great, but we weren't doing enough to check in with kind of those key stakeholders. And so what it really taught me was being more intentional about the communication and not getting to the point of kind of a, a final product and not being on the same page. And I know not everybody, um, you know, might have a project or program that they're working on, but I think the same can happen when we think about um, direct patient care or working with caregivers and Sometimes we have to meet them where they're at, and we may think we've, you know, provided all of the information, but they didn't take that information in and make the same decision or think of it in the same way. So, um, for me, that was huge, and I won't make that same mistake twice. That's great. I love how you related it also to not only someone in your position working on a, you know, a year-long type of project and presentation, but also how um, checking in that information is received um, in the same way or understanding how it might be received differently um, is, is really important in all communications. And so it sounds like your fail forward lesson there, and like you said, something you won't do again is, you know, just not to go blindly down a path, um, even if you think it's a slam dunk, um, con constantly checking in or continuing to get feedback throughout your development process. What about, um, what about the project, though? You know, sometimes in those cases, it may just have not gotten approval and it's gone and lost forever, but sometimes the work put into a project like that is still something you carry with you. Did, were there elements of that or components of your, your project or presentation that you put forward that either have been or could in the future be picked up and, and that you might use? Um, along the way in the future? Yeah, it's actually funny that it kind of went on a shelf for a while, but now it's coming up again as um, something that we want to explore. So it's not me picking it up anymore, but you've kind of set the stage, or I feel like we set the stage and had a lot of research for the person that's coming behind us um, and trying to make a go of it that hopefully they don't um, run up against the same roadblocks we do, that they'll be you know, more prepared kind of going in. So I'm still cautiously optimistic that 
we'll see some a solution come come eventually in that area. I think also it wasn't it was a matter of the communication, but also timing. And so sometimes it can be the best program or solution or right thing, but it's not the right time for the organization or the right time for that patient. Yeah, and I know your background has been primarily community pharmacy-based and the organizations that you worked for, but I've heard um, many presentations from some of our hospital pharmacy members and the hospital directors that, you know, put together um, a proposal on a new service in their hospital department, you know, only to be met with a, a no from the CEO or chief financial officer and just the importance of taking that as a no not now. So, you know, all of the work that was put in um, by you and your teammate um, being picked up off the shelf probably gives you some positive feelings or, you know, some, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, how do you feel I should ask knowing that all of the work that you put in could still be used moving forward? I think it makes you feel more optimistic. Um and, you know, I, maybe we weren't the right people and it wasn't the right time, but now someone else can, you know, take it to where it needs to be. So um, who knows what it'll end up being in the end. But I'm excited that at least the conversa- we're having the conversation again. Yeah, that's great. Um, we're getting towards the end of our questions, but before the, the speed round, I wanted to talk about your support system, and you mentioned the board of directors earlier, but um, is there anything you want to add, you know, as you go through these points in your career, if it's personally or professionally, just the importance of having a a support system? Um, Who's been there for you, and and what role did they play? Um, If you have anything to add in addition to the board of directors conversation we had earlier. Yeah, I think... um just to dovetail on the board of directors or even going to others for advice that um, I've gotten the most out when I'm vulnerable and I tell them how I'm feeling and what's going on. And chances are they've had the same situation, but I think sometimes and and the same thing with your own team or those that you work with closely that um, if I've reached a roadblock or I'm frustrated about something, being honest about it versus being just closed in or not, sharing everything about how you're feeling. So I think sometimes it's as much about what you're trying to do as how you feel and being open about that. Um, I know not everyone feels comfortable talking about their feelings, but I think that's helped me deal with stress or not get frustrated or figure out how to have a path forward is just by being honest with how I'm feeling, not only, you know, at home with my husband, but also with that personal board of, of directors. Yeah, that's great. And just a testament to you, Crystal, and your leadership, your personal style, your brand. I think, um, you know, it, it also aligns with your willingness to come on this podcast and do the fail forward interview. And I have to admit, when I set the invitations out to pharmacy leaders across the country, um, and you have a connection to Iowa going to Drake University here in Des Moines, um, but I put I put a caveat in every invitation that I sent out. Um, if someone's unwilling to do this or not comfortable, you know, no problem. But um, 
you know, thanks to you for your willingness to come on the show. And I would add that everyone we invited has said yes. So I think that's also the mark of a good leader is willing to talk about those vulnerable times. And um, we've all learned from those mistakes along the way or setbacks that have occurred. Yeah, I know I have for sure. (laughs) Um, So just to finish and... We try to do these questions on every interview, so the listeners kind of learn the same thing about each of our guests. Uh, we have four quick questions for you to answer. Are you ready for the speed round? I'm ready. Okay. What is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is from a book called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, and it says, when, you spend, when we spend our lives waiting until we're perfect or bulletproof before we walk into the arena, we ultimately sacrifice relationships and opportunities that may not be recoverable. We squander our precious time and we turn our back on our gifts, those unique contributions that only we can make. It's so funny your favorite quote was Brene Brown, or I should say it's fitting because actually earlier in the interview, Crystal, when you were talking about um, being vulnerable and some of the most, um, the greatest support that you received was when you um, exposed that vulnerability, I guess. I actually thought of Brene Brown. So I can definitely see that you're living out some of those leadership qualities and a very good quote. Next question, what's the best professional event you've ever attended? Mine was actually um, Pharmacy Development Services, or PDS, does a leadership development um, advanced pharmacy meetings. And it kind of, it came at the right time in my career, and it changed kind of my level of self-awareness and also the way I think about leading and developing others. So I think it was both the meeting, but also the time in my career that it came. And I had the chance to meet some really amazing pharmacists and pharmacy owners that were attending and we were all going through it together. So to me, that was uh, extremely inspiring. That's really cool. Have you kept in touch with the pharmacists you met at that event? Yes, a few of them, definitely. Yeah, I think that's outstanding. Okay, how do you recharge? So we mentioned a book. So on my way home from work, Um, And on my way to work, I usually listen to Audible. So um, Brene Brown is definitely on my hit list, and she reads her own books, which is awesome. Um, And then at home with my family is really where I recharge. I have a seven- and nine-year-old. So while they take a lot of energy, they're also kind of the driving force behind me being able to just unplug and put down the phone and be able to recharge. Yeah, that's so important. Um, Our kids are six and seven and four and four. Um, (laughs) Do you, so personal advice, I always ask for this too. This wasn't on the script. Um, Do you actually put your phone away um, when you're with your family? Do you have any tips on how, you know, I think you're best able to recharge when you're fully present with your family. Um, Do you have any personal advice on how you, find that family time to be recharging and, and make the most of it? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I'm a work in progress, so I'm not always the best about it, but we do have a rule in our house, no electronics at the table. So that goes for the kids with iPads or us with phones so that when we do get the chance a few nights a week to sit down and have an actual dinner or whether it be pizza or a proper dinner, 
um, that were there and being able to talk. I think sometimes at night you gravitate back towards having your phone. So I think it's still, I still have to be mindful of it and, and make an effort. I'm 100% a work in progress also. So uh, we can continue to share notes. um, Okay. Sounds good. Living in the same stage of life. Um, (laughs) But thank you for sharing that. Um, It's really important, I think, to have that, that time with your family. And then lastly, is there any place listeners can find out more about you? Sure. So we talked about LinkedIn a little bit earlier in the podcast, but um, connect on LinkedIn. There's some blog posts that are on mccuston.com that I've contributed to, or or feel free to reach out to me directly. And it's crystal.leonards at mccuston.com. And I'd love to share more and learn more about you. Yeah, thanks so much, Crystal. We'll include your um, LinkedIn and, and email address and your bio um, and your picture. And all of that will be in the show notes for those of you listening that want to learn more about Crystal and her amazing career that she's had um, at several different places, currently with Healthmark Atlas. And I look forward to the next time I get a chance to see you, Crystal, and connect. But Really appreciate you taking the time to come on the Resilience Rx podcast and your willingness to do the fail forward interview. I think it helps us all be better leaders and hopefully helps all of those listening um, to understand, again, failure is part of the journey of success. And we all have those setbacks. And and thank you so much for for sharing some some of yours. Thanks, Kate. I appreciate you having me. One way to build resiliency is to have a growth mindset. Now that's a lot easier said than done, but it really starts with feedback. Now, even when you hear that word feedback, I think for many of us, it just brings fear. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have one of those conversations again. And we get into these feedback conversations and the first thing we do is we get defensive and we start actually coming up with all of these excuses and providing all of the reasons why we did what we did. (laughs) Yet when we're in the middle of all that, the fact is, is when we're providing those excuses and when we're sharing our, our reasoning why, we're not listening. We're not growing. It's not the chance to learn. We literally have this place where our ears are closed. Now, why is that? Well, Brene Brown tells us that one of the reasons might be is because we truly are not clear on whose opinions matter. We take feedback from all sorts of people, and she's saying we need to get super selective about that. She actually quotes Theodore Roosevelt, where he says, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives, who errs, and who comes short again and again, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Her point is this. If we are not selective about who we get feedback from, we may be getting feedback from people who haven't been in the arena. You know, there are a million cheap seats 
in the world today, people who are critics and cynics and fear mongers, and they haven't spent one single moment in the arena. They have not spent one single moment fighting and looking for answers to make the world a better place. They have spent all of their time finding fault, throwing bricks, and literally pointing fingers out there telling the people who are doing their best that they're not doing it right when they haven't lifted a finger themselves to make it better. If you listened earlier to Crystal in the podcast, she really talked about having a personal board of directors. And I think she's right. I think we need a personal board of directors. I think we should supplement that with something I call a truth team. A truth team is a small group of people that have been in the arena and they care enough about you to tell you the truth, even if that's a really hard truth. So there's this guy, um, he's actually Navy SEAL and he was on SEAL Team 6, his name is Dave Cooper. And Dave Cooper talks about the fact, well, let's step back. Dave Cooper actually was um, part of the SEAL Team 6 that went into Osama Bin Laden's compound that night. That story that we all know very well. And you know, it's interesting, he will tell you that when he talks about courage, a lot of people think that that would be going against an, an enemy, someone standing on the other side of the room with a machine gun in their hand. But he says real courage is seeing the truth and speaking the truth to one another. And that's actually what a truth team does. They see the truth and they speak the truth. So you don't want someone on your truth team that is going to be that, you know, fear monger, that critic and that cynic that's sitting in the cheap seats and they're throwing, you know, all of their garbage on you and they diminish you because it's important that they build themselves up by diminishing you. On the other end of the spectrum, you don't want anybody on your truth team that's going to coddle you, that is only going to tell you what you want to hear, or just wants to kind of be your friend and be, you know, with you in this pain and suffering. Because that doesn't help you either. You actually need someone on your truth team. You know, in fact, a group of someone's, maybe five, no more than six, right? People that really know you. They know the good you. They know the bad you. They know the ugly you. They know you inside and out. And they still love and care about the whole you, right? Not just the part of you that's good, right? They care about all of you, every bit of you. And with that, they have the skill set, the courage to tell you the truth, even when they know that truth is going to hurt. Because a growth mindset requires the ability to think things through, to see things and to consider things that maybe you yourself haven't been able to see on your own. So a truth team comes in and they provide your perspective and you can ask them the question, where did I go wrong? What did I do? How did I contribute to that problem? And in the process of having them share their point of view, they literally are coming in and saying, here's my perspective. This is what I saw. This is what I believe. They also know that you may see it differently and that you're going to be talking to other people in that process. And they believe that you are good enough, that you are whole enough, that you are capable enough to listen to different perspectives and to consider those thoughts 
and then make decisions for yourself. Because in the end, you are still kind of the master of your own universe. This group of people, this truth team is not expecting you to take every bit of advice that they give you and carry on with it. They're expecting you to consider it to think it through, to determine what that means for you, and then take that and make the best decisions for you. And regardless of what that decision is, they're still going to stand with you shoulder to shoulder, knowing that you're on this journey, this growth, this process of becoming the best you ever. And they are blessed to be on that trip with you, but they are not the people who are determining what your decisions are and what your truth is. They are simply there to share their perspective, knowing that you have the ability to determine for yourself where to take it from here. And that's the second piece of this truth team that I love, right? They are not going to be the person that you have to take their advice. They are going to be the person that's going to stand with you regardless of what your decisions are. And so that power of that truth team allows you to learn, listen, consider, determine, and go back in that arena and fight again, knowing that sometimes you'll make great decisions and sometimes you won't make great decisions. And in the end, you'll dust yourself off, get up, listen, consider, learn, and grow all over again. And that is one of the super important keys to resiliency is knowing that you're not done yet, that you're still on this journey of learning and growth. And you have a team, not only Crystal's team of your board of directors, but your truth team as well, that are gonna be with you on that journey from here to there. Resilience Rx is a podcast dedicated to increasing awareness, sharing strategies, and providing a prescription for resilience to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. To discover additional tools and resources to assist you, your colleagues, and your team, visit www.iarx.org forward slash burnout and www.mavengroup.com. If you know a pharmacy leader you'd like to have interviewed on the Fall Forward series, please send us a note. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with other pharmacy professionals and others who may benefit from this month's Resilience Rx. 